January 29, 2024, so off for Pedro's show.
Watt from Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Fuckhead Watt. I'm almost 20. May it'll be 20, what, three years? And I'm still blowing clams. Got to turn the monitor off, Watt. <laughs> Start off with Autumn Leaves. This is an excerpt live. November 28, 1962. John Coltrane. And then we had Lost with She. Zombie. And because of those scapping... Those Estonian engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. All the way from Citrus County, Florida. Brother Dan Fox, welcome aboard. Thank you very much. Absolute. And uh, got to give credit, Graham in England, the Fence Post collaborator. You've put out some stuff. Uh, pl- please bring your earliest musical recollection, Dan. I think that the earliest, I, I thought about this, and I think that the longest, uh, the oldest, memory that I have that's specifically about music is being in a car in the back seat with my parents and hearing the song Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. And I just remember really liking that song. It just really stuck with me for some reason. Yeah, I remember that song. It was kind of their, I don't know, kind of new wave song. or <laughs> I mean, opposed to the roundabout thing and stuff, you know. Well, little, yeah. little less notes. <laughs> you know what right. I found out about that band? It was run by the bass player. Really? I know. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the pad you grew up, was there musical instruments? Uh, there there was an organ that my mom uh, played occasionally, and I took lessons on it for a little while, but I absolutely hated it. You mean the experience uh, because of the teacher, right? I mean, the people I've had on show, usually it's piano lessons, but it almost drives them away from music. Yeah, that this was tough. I mean, it wasn't like a uh, like a Hammond or anything. I mean, it was just this old Lowry organ where no matter what you did, it sounded like you were in a church. <laughs> and it was just, it just did not work with me at all. You know, I took lessons on it for a while um, and it just bored the crap out of me. Okay. And uh, what about at school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? Yeah, we, we didn't have a marching band in my school, but I, uh, or a choir that I, well, there might have been a choir. I'm not positive about that. But I was in the school band and in a, um, you know, there was a school band that was mostly brass based. And then there was another one after that that was kind of like a symphonic thing that I, I ended up becoming part of. And, uh, let me ask you this. I ask everybody this. First record you bought with your own money? The first record that I can remember buying was, it was a, it's a toss-up. It was either Legacy of Brutality by the Misfits, or it could have been an early Aerosmith album. Okay. You know, it's a Watt from Pedro show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> what about the first gig you saw, Dan? The first show I ever went to was uh, Fugazi. All right. That's a good one. It was a great first show. Yeah. Um, $5, so, I bet. Sorry, go ahead. $5, I bet. I That I can't remember. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, I'm interested in, like, not graduating high school, but after school, 
in the afternoon. Did you get into the basement band, garage band, bedroom band thing? Oh, definitely. That that started when I was probably about 15 or 16 down in the basement. And uh, and I was in and out of, you know, various bands in school. And then after uh, when I was 18, um, I started playing in a, I was kind of like somewhere between a grunge band and some mix of punk and metal. Can I ask the instrument? Uh, I was a drummer. Ah, okay. So why the drums? Um, that I, I'm not really sure. I, I tried some other instruments at the time and they just didn't really work with me. Uh, for some reason I was immediately attracted to drums. Um, I always found myself tapping the rhythm to everything that I heard on the radio and it just seemed like a logical direction to head in. And, uh, how did you get your first drum set? Oh, my parents bought that for me when I was about 14. That's pretty cool because, I mean, number oh, one, you know, of all the instruments, it's kind of bit, kind of the noisier one. But uh, oh yeah, and then letting you prac at home. So I guess when you did the bedroom, garage, basement band thing, all the guys came to your pad. Yes, yeah. most of the time, yeah. Now, uh, d d were these just jam bands, or did they end up writing material or doing gigs? Uh, when I was, the bands I was in in high school, it, there was some original material, but a lot of cover songs. And then uh, in that band that I got in when I was 18, it was all original material and we did gigs and everything. Can you remember your first gig? A little bit. Uh, it was at a club in Albany, New, Albany, New York uh, called Bogies. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Howard ran it. Yeah. The yeah, and it's several clubs after that, right? Valentine's and uh, Low Beat and Great Cat. Uh, and yeah, what was the name of your band? Let's see. When this this bogey's gig, think, yeah, uh, yeah. The first band I was in when I started gigging was a band called Plaid. And how was that first Plaid gig? Uh, for me, it was terrifying, but it worked out pretty well. Um, it was a band that was existing. Um, it had already existed for a while, but they, they lost some members and then regained some, uh, new members. So it wasn't like it was a brand new band. Ah, so you had to learn p other people's tunes. Yes. Yeah. Did you get involved with co uh, composing? Because, Not you know, yeah, because the conventional wisdom is like drummers don't write song, which is so fucking stupid. I, I agree. I think that anybody can write a song. Yeah. Uh, in bands that I was in later, I, I, I wrote some songs and, you know, wrote parts of other songs. Okay. Uh, you gave me this, uh, some more loss. We'll get, we'll get to loss. And so, cause this sounds a lot different than I imagined than what was going down at bogeys in them days. This is all the world's mm -hmm. a stage, but I just worked the lights.
how one scientist described electron micrograph images of E. coli cells. So we all, every asshole and ponderons, are moonish. And why not? We eat moon pies and moon cakes and moons over my head with moon eyes at moonstruck honeymooners drink moonshine and maybe moon the moon and get mooned back by the great and crusty buttock in the sky
Live from Pedro Show at Chuck Music. Start off with Loss doing all the world's a stage, but I just worked the lights. Then brand new from L666, L6661, appropriate, from uh, Anchorage, Alaska, Muskeg, Mudsuck, Redwood Creek, Noisuk after that brand new Moon Festival. And finally, Loss again with The Turnin'. Read it right, correctly, what? The Turnin'. Okay, so how long does it, your uh, shift in plaid last? Let's see. I started there in 1993. I was probably in it for maybe a year, year and a half before the band broke up. And then what's next for you musically? Uh, I ended up in another, uh, it was kind of like a, I'm not sure, maybe a post-punk kind of thing uh, called Snollygoster. And that that was kind of a mess, but that was, well, that was a real mess. <laughs> now, now, why do you call it a mess here, Dan? Well, because when I was, when I started out in that band, I was beginning uh, a lifelong battle with severe mental illness. And I didn't really understand that I was going through that fully at the time. And I think it was extremely difficult to deal with um, because of it. You know, I was starting on medications and all kinds of things like that. And man, they fuck with you. I can imagine. Pretty, are just terrible. No, no. Let me understand this. Did the music make it, the situation more intense, or did it help? Music always helps. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because it's always helped me when I had mental, when I do have mental challenges. Yeah, but I, at at the time, I was going through things that I didn't know, like. Uh, like I have a, I have occasional manic episodes and I remember the last show that I played with that band, we were playing on the radio and I remember that I was feeling really good through that. And I remember thinking I played awesome. And, uh, and I remember, well, okay, if the band's going to, going to crap out, you know, I'm really glad that we ended on this note. And then a couple of years ago, I found a recording of that and I was manic and I did not know. And it is a mess. Um, I I was just awful. I I just I wasn't in time. I was playing about twice as fast as it needed to be. It it was just a disaster, and I had no idea that I that that happened until recently. And I, mean, I just feel horrible about that. Let me understand. What about the other band members? Did you guys have like a debriefing after the gig? Nobody gave you feedback. Um, we had been having problems. A lot of it had to, I mean, there were conflict of interest things and there were things that, that they were doing that I wasn't thrilled with. And with my head just being a disaster, it, it just, uh, it was doomed. You know, the way you're speaking, you kind of, yeah, you kind of knew this was the last gig. So there was like communication problems in the band. Yeah, I, I just didn't get along with the other guys that well. And, um, you know, like at the time, they, they were into drinking and that kind of thing, and that wasn't really my gig. Um, so if they were going to be doing that, I didn't want to. And when we were playing shows, yeah, I really wanted to play with sober people. Sure. I can uh, understand. Because that. it was so important to me. And, of course, during that last show, I sounded like I was just 
I don't, I, on acid or something. I have no idea what, you know, it was just so embarrassing on so many levels. And I just feel awful about it. It's been stuck in my head since I heard it. And it's, it's bad. And, but there was like no closure with the other members. They just thought, well, so be it. We talked about it a little bit, but okay. I think that at the time they thought I did that on purpose. Oh, okay. And I didn't know it even occurred. Sure, sure. You know, I, I thought that it was great. You know, I thought it was a really good show and that we all came off strong. And, and then, you know, so there was definitely, they weren't happy. And, uh, no, I've I, had stuff like that. I didn't like, get it until now. I've had memories where I thought, like, for example, an address of a, a pad. I'm convinced I, I know the address. And then I go by the place and it ain't the address. It was like, some false memory just established itself, and that's trippy how yeah. that works. I, uh, I have a lot of that, and, and uh, really debilitating memory problems. Uh -huh. So my my life depends on other people kind of guiding me somewhere and GPSs. Well, what happened with you music wise after this uh, this last gig with these guys? Uh, I moved. My parents moved away. I moved out of the house and moved into an apartment. And it was a small, really shitty apartment. And I couldn't play drums there. Even I had electronic pads, and that was too loud for them at the time. Whoa. So I couldn't really do it. And I just started doing keyboard stuff. Ah, okay. And, and uh, you know, and discovered electronic. You know, yeah, because most of the music you gave me, it seems, is towards that angle. So I wonder when that, that, that came. And it came out of practicality. You just couldn't play the drums anymore in the apartment. Well, the, it came out of practicality and just a, a real desire to, to do it. You know, I, I, I had been a real, uh, I've been a really big fan of industrial music. You know, uh -huh. I started about the same time that I got into punk. And I had all this emotional stuff that I, that I was bottling up and dealing with. So I needed a way to translate that and to get that out in a way that wasn't destructive to me. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, not the bass, not the guitar, but keyboard, synthesizer. At the time, yeah, yeah. It, it was keyboard, a lot of pedals, and you know, playing synthesizers, but not very well, and then a lot of programming into a into a DAW. Well, you were learning, right, at, by doing. Yes, or I when, had no idea. I just yeah, no instruction, board. right? You were just stumbling along. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and uh, did you give like a name to this? Yeah, the, the first uh, electronic music that I started to make serious was, was Loss. I, oh, I think okay. I had a, a working title for something a while back, but nothing was released. It it never went anywhere because I didn't have uh, a computer powerful enough to be able to do what I needed to do. So these three tunes that I played from Loss, are there any of them from this period or are they later? Uh, the Turning, that yeah. is from 2005. Um Let's see, all all, uh, all the world's a stage. That was from 2004, and that was from the first uh, the first EP that I was giving out to people and selling and using as a promo and stuff like that. And and how were you recording? Because this was a recording project. Were you doing gigs yet? No, yeah. no, not at all. I, I had no idea how to gig with that, but uh, 
for the first full length album, I really did the best I could to try and create it in a way where I would be able to do an appropriate number of things on stage during a song. Okay. And what'd you use? Like, uh, did, did you um, said your pewter wasn't powerful enough. So how'd you record yeah, it? I, uh, back then it, it was, uh, well, the, the lost stuff was recorded on a, on a, on a, a proper computer. Okay. That's when I had a you know a better software and a and a computer that could more or less handle it. Yeah. But I still, whenever I needed to check a mix, yeah. I had to export it because whenever I tried to play it live, it would just be clicks and pops because it was overloading the PC. Too much, yeah. Too much weight yeah. for the PC's brain to take. <laughs> Way too much. Yeah, yeah. But still, I like this idea of learning by doing. Because then, you know, you find out the wall where it is by pushing against it, not just arbitrarily, oh, there it is. You actually have to push right. against it. And you think this was helping? I mean, we're talking man alone. You don't have to deal with other band members, correct? Yeah, and it's not like I, like I, I have an aversion to working with other people, but at the time it was something that just needed to be me. You know, I needed it to just be me. I didn't want anyone else's influence on it. It had to be the way that it was in order for me to get it out of my head. Sure, sure. And uh, sometimes it's not just working with other people, but it's what, what, who are the other people, right? The chemistry. And right. that can be really hard to find, lucky uh, or bad oh, luck. It, it, or, it can yeah. be brutal. Yeah, right. I mean, I found it too. And in fact, what I found... Like if you've got a difficult piece of music, practice will help. But, but chemistry between people, I don't think any amount of practice can help with that. No, it either works or it doesn't. Right, correct. Interesting. So does Loss ever do a gig? Yeah, I have gigged. It's been a little while. No, but, but I, it, I'm like in, in the timeline of this uh, story you're telling of your history. Yes. I, I At that time, I think um, after the first album no actually yes i played a few gigs before uh the first full length came out and what was they like uh the first one was terrible i what made it no terrible? Idea how, <laughs> yeah I, I just had no idea how to do it live sure. i was doing i was doing my vocals i was running them through a guitar processor and I brought that with me to try and do the vocals there, but it was all kinds of distortion on it. So it, it just wasn't something that could be used live that way with a microphone running directly into it. Okay. So the first gig was completely without vocals. Okay. I was not thrilled about that. Okay. Okay. But what about the other parts of the contraption? Uh, that that went all right, you know. Okay. I had a, a synthesizer that I had a you know a, a keyboard connected to, so that I could play it. You know, MIDI controller, and lots of noises and and uh, pedals and stuff like that. I'm interested. So, I'm interested uh, in you being a drummer. Did you get into sequencing? Yes, I did. Okay, because you know that's. I mean, there's different ways electronics, right? You got these kind of like just modulations going, or you can like organize. Like you said, programming beats. Yep. Yeah. And did you did you find the corollary between a analog drum set in you know pewter world? I I haven't done a lot of recording my drums into my computer lately. Um, and at the time, I that first album came out, I couldn't you know just I couldn't the situation, because of the space yeah. I was in. But um, 
Yeah, I do have uh, pads that I do play, and I, I do program some of the rhythms and, and the drums, but others I actually, you know, pro, I play them in with pads. Yeah, and uh, I mean, loss is still a, an ongoing concern, correct? Correct. Okay, so what happened was, because you've given me all this other material, I'm, I'm thinking you're, you're taking, like, other lanes, parallel universes to express yourself? Yes. And, and when does that begin? Uh, that started, let's see, the first fail release, uh, which was a harsh noise kind of thing. Fail. That came okay. out in, I think, 2005. I got um, some fail I'm going to play next hour. Yeah, okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah, interesting pieces. I mean, what about the, the this with the length? I mean, some of these babies are like 35 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that, now was early like, was early loss like that really long extended pieces. I on, on the first full length, I, I yeah, my songs tend to be long, but yeah. not usually thirty five minutes. That that <laughs> is specific to a project, and I have there's a whole reason behind the timing and yeah, the we'll get to that. Dis like that disconsolate, right? Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, really. But but some of these, like you said, the turn in is early, and that's kind of shorter. No, that's a little shorter, right? Yeah, that's shorter. But but on but uh, on that album, there is is also a, a song that's like eighteen minutes long. Okay, which <laughs> in the vinyl world, that's like a whole side almost. Yeah, right, right, right. And and how did these things manifest? Were they, was it vinyl? Was it cassette? Was it MP three? Um, the early stuff, the first loss and fail releases, those were three inch CDRs. Oh, I remember and, those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the first, uh, the first lost CD was, it was an actual press CD. Okay. CDs. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, January 29, 2024 edition. Walk Pedro show special guest, Dan Fox. Hold tight for hour two. January 29, 2024. It's the second hour. Walk for Pedro show.
When visiting family on Long Island, we usually take the ferry that crosses from Bridgeport, Connecticut to Port Jefferson. I've made it my habit, heading in both directions, to stand on the uncovered upper deck until the ship clears the harbor. The air could be bracing. On a hot day, it's always refreshing. On a cold day, it's a test of my endurance for those five to ten minutes. Except for harbor markers and an occasional shoreline structure, I'm seeing a view across the water that has been unchanged for eons. But the reason I'm standing there is for the sound of wind. There isn't necessarily a breeze. It's the air displacement caused by the movement of the ferry through what could be perfectly calm air. What I hear is air being caught by my ears. If I turn my head, the sound changes or goes away. It's the interaction of me moving and the air caught by the oracles on either side of my head. It's a sound for me alone.
Lot for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Biff, I guess his name of Proj. And this is a remix of I Only Miss You When You're Here. Then we had David Greenberger and Tyson Rogers. They got a new release. It's called Autobiography, I think. David yeah, is talking about his uh, history. And The Sound of My Ears. He had me read a spiel. They're, he's got all kinds of cats, maybe 40 little pieces. And then FFI Digital with 180125. FFI Digital. Being a Dan Fox uh, project, uh, enlighten us, Dan. Uh, FFI Digital is something I wanted to try and create something that didn't sound like it was made completely with software, but it is com- made completely with software. Even the vocals are, <laughs> are software. And what was the idea behind that? Uh, I, I'm not really sure. I just kind of had a whim and just kind of did it. And uh, the ly- it's funny that the lyrics to that song are actually just, uh, it's the instruction manual for a death metal pedal. <laughs> you know, I had a project called Cuz, and it goes back to this joke, you know, why does a dog lick his balls? Because he can. So why not <laughs> fucking do a project where you, want, you don't want it to sound like software using software? <laughs> What about this if project? That was uh, created out of necessity. Um, In 2008, I had a devastating house fire and I lost everything. Oh, Uh, you know, I lost all my gear. Sure. Um, So so that was something that I that was a project that I did. Um, I was feeling very melancholy. Yeah, I can imagine. But which is I have a tendency towards anyway. But that. that was done when I had no, I had no hardware anymore. It just went away. Yeah. And I made that all with mostly free software that I found. I'm, I'm interested because it's remix. There was another version originally. Yeah. Which was, th- those are the, uh, the remix that you, that you hear and the original are the, actually the only two songs that were released by that project, but okay. it is going to come back out with a different name. In, in the future, I I had enough for a full length of that stuff. Yeah. But the girlfriend that I had at the time thought it was a really good idea to go ahead and reformat the computer. Oh, I so can guess what's going to happen. Was good, yeah, that wasn't great. No, no. Well, I found in this world there's two kinds of people, those who back up and those who will. Exactly. <laughs> That's why Wad backs up. You know... This title for FFI Digital, six digits, right? Same kind of format you're using for Fatal here. This tune I want to play, 160708. Is there something significant about these, the six-number digit? Uh, those are the dates that I started those projects on. Oh, okay. So, so 16 for, for being the like the stuff, last two uh, digits of the year? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, the first, the last two of the year, then, then you have the, the two for the month and then the day. You know what? I use that method for my stuff because they'll sort correctly. Right. Yeah. If you do it, you know, month, day, and that shit, they never sort right. Okay. That Here, let's correct. let's listen to fail. We talked about this earlier.
Lot for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with Fail, 160708, or July 8th, 2016. They sort correctly, people. Use it. Don't tell you who turned you on to it, but you can use it. FOD after that with Not Gonna Start a War, and then Fail again with, this is a good, I gotta ask you about the titles. When, when sure. do they come along? But so cold that the cities come become overrun by Roman packs of raw meat. I mean, where in the composition process do the titles come? Do they start with it, during it, or after everything's done and said? Well, it could be either way. With with okay. loss, I when I'm writing a song, I typically start out, okay, I need to write this song about this. Yeah, yeah, that's so, the way Watt is. That's why I need right. a title. But almost everybody I ask, they never do titles first. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes with with, uh, with my noise projects, yeah, like for uh, that that uh, the fail track you were just talking about, that's yeah. on a compilation that just came out on Camembert Electric, uh-huh. and it, the concept of the compilation was cold. Ah, okay. So I just thought cold, and then me being nuts, weird stuff popped into my head, and I wrote it down, and then you got a title. Now these titles that use the six digit thing. Are they kind of diary entry things? Like, this is the way I felt on this day? In a way, especially with the fail material, yes. And why did you have to do fail when you had loss? Because loss, it's it's a musical project that has noise elements and things like that in it, of course. But I wanted to do something that was just pure noise and something that I could just play completely you know that's all weird synthesizers and pedals and stuff and just you know all hardware that i just uh tweak and manipulate to make that and it's a way i can deal with you know emotional stuff like most things that i do and versus loss uh loss is a much 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 longer project to produce Okay. The fail stuff is always, it's always just live one take. If it yeah. doesn't work, I do it again. But with loss, it's a, it's a DAW project. So I have, you, oh, know, you, you a, build a, tracks and tracks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understood. Understood. One is like kind of almost capturing a performance in the moment. The other one is like building upon performances. Right. It's kind of like an instant gratification worth, uh, you know, versus uh, gratification. You have to wait a really long time for Sure. Sure. Uh, what about gigs? Does fail gig? Yeah, recently I started gigging. Uh, probably in about 2016, I started playing shows here when I moved down to Florida. And then, um, you know, and I've been playing some recently as well. Well, how does a fail gig differ from a loss gig? Um, I guess the audience in the venue. Oh, okay. with with loss, I've been able to play some European shows, things like that, festivals, and uh, and and it's something that's a little bit more, I think, accessible than just the noise stuff. Okay, but the noise scene is it, it reminds me a lot of the old punk rock and hardcore scene, where you just have these really friendly, supportive, open-minded people. Yeah, and. You know, people ask me about the old days, and I always tell them it was about people. I think the new days are about people, too. It should be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what you're seeing is like a community where people take turns creating in front of each other. 
Exactly. Yeah. So and, that's and why I think the idea genre is kind of stupid. It's if you have those kind of ethics, they kind of define the aesthetics. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But you know, at the same time, I wouldn't want to go there and, and you know and expect an ambient show or something like that, <laughs> and then have somebody blow my eardrums out. Okay. Okay. So it's good to have like you know maybe a theme to it. But they're open, you know. I mean, it, a show that I just played last weekend—not uh, the one, that, not yesterday, but the weekend before that—it was just a show in someone's apartment, and there was nobody there except for all the other performers. And it was—it was great. It was a really lovely performance. You know, great, uh, great people. The guy who hosted it is Hal McGee. This guy has been doing noise since the '80s. Really, uh, really cool, laid-back. You know, you scene. being in Florida, are you aware of Rat Bastard in the South? Yes, I've seen him a couple of times. Yeah, I, I got to play his pad. Yet. You know, he's got a studio that he's doing gigs out where he lives now in an industrial park. And, uh, yeah, yeah really interesting. Uh, we call that, there's shorthand from the old days for those kind of gigs. We called them character builders. And if you can't play them, you shouldn't really be allowed to play the other ones, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Because there's a weird element that got tied to this, you know, sharing through artistic expression, some kind of fake royalty, you know, which has nothing to do, I think, with uh, expressing yourself artistically. It's another, another issue. And it kind of took over this kind of, you know, the idea of gigs. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's the same way with labels, even. Absolutely. Um, like, even in the noise scene, there are people that are that have just tremendous egos and they're they're dicks about everything. You know, if anybody <laughs> ever goes to them and say, "Hey, oh, hey, how'd you do this thing?" then they get all offended. With, and, and I try to be the opposite of that. If somebody comes to me and wants to know about what I do as an artist or in the label, I'm completely transparent. I uh, believe that it's a lot more helpful to the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, no, I think that's beautiful. And, and let these good people come in and let them figure out how to sort out their stuff. Sure. I mean, if you're not going to do that, you really shouldn't be part of the scene. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, January 29, 2024, edition of Pedro Show, special guest Dan Fox. Hold on for hour three. January 29, 
bleak letters onto landscape snow. Deepened, the dark defined and the fire are one and the same. Ball of space taking deep purple. Center, keeping warm and bright, standing tall, a candle of being, solid in the safe lit, deferral demure in the name of peace. For the sake of clear waters, Grace walks gently through the world, unseen guards apparent. So gentle, but there, in all her sister's faces to be found, tested by the mother, loved forever, alive and unwanting, generations embodied. As your belief surrenders, cool blue to the only worthy, awakening to a miracle norm. What for Pedro show? Start off third hour with. Deconsulate, part one of two. We're going to, uh, next edition, people, you hear part two because I just didn't have the space. But this is Creeping Fault. And then uh, Crane and Susan Loa, they had me uh, do bass on this little part up there of the Darkland. Yeah, tell me about this disconsolate part. Uh, I wish I could have played the whole baby, but then I would have had to, like, uh, another great <laughs> prod name you got here. You know, and I didn't want to cut that out because... Uh, well, I, I love the the music, but it, also the concept is, is bizarre. But uh, tell me, uh, hit me, Disconsolate. Disconsolate was, um, I've only had that, I had a, an EP on my own label that I put out, and then some songs that were on compilations, but I do want to, I, I really could have made that a fail, you know, that stuff by fail, but it felt, because of how strongly I felt about the material, that... Um, it needed to be something different, something that was able to be separated from everything else. It actually comes with a very long, um, like it, the disc comes with inserts that have like a, a really long kind of spiel on it. Okay. Um, at the time, I was, I had just gotten, I had just left um, my girlfriend, and it was because she was. Uh, she was just a, a spiraling drug addict and, and it got bad. And, you know, she actually, uh, she passed away back in 2018. So sorry. In that lost song, um, she zombie is also about that song with all the spoken word part. Yes. That yes. is, that's about me observing her just kind of dying. Um, I named the the song after there's a there's an old zombie movie called I Zombie. Yeah, sure. Where there's a um, there's a guy who's turning into a zombie, but he's uh-huh. uh, I think he's a journalist, so he's writing about that process. And I was I wanted it to be like as a, I was writing about the process of her just falling apart. It was just devastating. To, to see that I love her. I loved her so much. And, uh, and I just had to watch that. And then I just couldn't do it anymore. And I had to leave. 
like a slow motion suicide thing. Somebody I read that about they were talking about Bill Evans, a great jazz piano player, and his addiction. Yeah, they said it was like slow motion suicide. Yeah, I describe it that way sometimes. Yeah, it's it's just watching somebody die in slow motion, and you have to watch the whole thing, and you can't stop it. it it's just it's terrible, and. I don't want anyone else to have to deal with that, to ever have to go through an experience like that. Um, I don't know. It was just, I've had some challenging points in my life, and that that was one of them. And you think by putting it in a context of expression, artistically, music, that helps? Because it seems like a situation that can't be solved, right? Um, the situation with her, it could have been solved, except that she didn't want to be. Yeah, well, she had to get on board, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, she didn't want to get on board, but people were throwing help at her left and right. You know, I was bringing her to NA meetings and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. And and I was really supportive, trying to get her back in the right lane. And, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. But I have had people that have contacted me about some of the, the lost material yeah. and about some other material that I've had. They've contacted me and they've actually told me that it helped them through something to know that, that they're not the only one on the planet that has to deal with this kind of thing. I mean, especially when, you know, my things that are more about mental illness. Sure, um, sure. You know, the music scene is packed with mental mentally ill people i think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of a life preserver or an attempt at reaching out for a life preserver because i think it's it's about this idea of community you know it's very individual in expression but also about community correct yeah interesting interesting okay i'm gonna play the last music for this edition here dan
Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Starting that chunk off with Milne Pats with, this is one word, people. Flow motion lick salty stony stream. Yeah, three E's in stream. Okay. Milne Pats, right. And then, Dan Fox here. <laughs> Very interesting uh, title. I'm terribly sorry if that I at any time mistakenly implied that you aren't a complete moron. <laughs> and, that was just beautiful. And then the proj name is, this is what I hear when you talk. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what's better, the proj name or the title of the piece. <laughs> I mean, they take turns, right? They kind of like a, yeah, a planet the same size of the star. It's revolving around. <laughs> yeah. Now, hit me to this. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that some people in the noise scene are also a little too serious. Yeah. You know, and despite, despite everything, this, I mean, there should have been, some of it should be serious. But I do try to add a little bit of levity to some of my stuff. You know, I, I do have a sense of humor, even though I'm going through some things. And, uh, you know, I think that's important, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. You gave it to, is there other type uh Pieces under this progeny, or was it this a one-off? Oh no, that project has like uh, fourteen hundred releases or something. <laughs> now, what makes it different than Loss or Fail? Uh, that actually, that project began when I was in a way of me trying to. Uh, it was part of my grieving process after she passed. Okay. Okay. So it's. Uh, it's more she recent. Was, yeah, she was 35 when she died, oh, which was too way young. too young. Yeah. And uh, and that's why those tracks are 35 minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's her age. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And uh, I, have a, I have a completely different uh, Bandcamp page for that, uh, 35.bandcamp.com. And that that's mostly that stuff. And I had 35 different like emotional states that I that I had to go through. Yeah. And each one of those had 35 35 minute tracks. Whoa. And uh th that that is since it just recently got through the last of them but I'm continuing the project on with uh with other things. But it's uh it, it's heavy. Yeah, very heavy. Can, can you describe your composition process. Do you you like? Do you make demos? Do you have a trove of lyrics? Do you have a use voice memo for licks? Or, you know, I've had all kinds of uh, things told to me by guests on the show. I for the noise stuff, I just kind of think about what sounds I think I want to make. Then I go through my pedal hoard and figure out, uh, you know, what I think will be best for me to achieve those sounds. And uh, with loss, that's uh, that's a little different. Sometimes I write lyrics first and then the song. Sometimes the lyrics come afterward, depending on, you know, where I think that song is heading. And what's next for I you? I don't know. Sorry, what? What's next for you? Uh, well, I just released um, on my label. I just released another uh, a new batch of 19 releases. Whoa. Um, <laughs> From all, 
a couple of them are mine, but they're artists from all over the world. And, and give and the URL of this, uh, of the, it's a band camp page, right? Yeah, that it's uh, innerdemonsrecords.bandcamp.com. Okay. Uh, uh, people go there because they've there's a lot of great great stuff there, and so you I just put out 19. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Graham was part of that, right? Fence post. Yes, and also he's uh, there is a fence post release, and also there's a collaboration that he did with a guy from U.S. and that is called uh, I think it's called Mastralismos. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay, I don't think I've played that. He's he's given me a few things, but I, that's I think it's an ancient Greek word for preparing a body so that it can't come back from the dead. <laughs> okay, that's an excellent project. <laughs> I couldn't hear you for a bit. My cat helped out. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm inviting you back on if you got any music to bring, which I think you probably got buttloads. We can oh, play God, it and yeah. talk about it. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be great. Thank this was you so a lot much. less horrifying than I expected it to be. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I hope that didn't disappoint you. <laughs> no, I, I just don't think I have a lot to say. So I, I, I feel like I, I I get confused when people want me to talk about stuff. Well, because I listen to the music and now there's a, a voice to it, a person in thoughts. So for me, I can't speak for other listeners, but for me, it's a bitching thing. Uh, and also, uh, just uh, some props to Randolph Carter. Oh, he absolutely, was, absolutely. Up, Eugene. He's actually the one that brought me to you directly. Okay. He's an incredible person. Yeah, both yeah. Him, they're both great people. Yeah, yeah. I've, you know, so lucky about music, uh, bringing people together. Community, right? Like we said before. So anyway, till the next time you're on the show, uh, say C's for you, okay? All right. Okay. People, it's been January 29, 2024 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your back.